Hey everybody, welcome to episode 26 of the Go Get Outside podcast. This is your host, Jason Milligan. If you're listening to this on the day that it was released, April 1st, 2016, then you may have noticed it is April Fool's Day. And maybe you are wondering if I'm going to play some sort of hilarious April Fool's Day prank on you. Well, I am not because I did not think of any hilarious April Fool's Day pranks and I'd rather do no prank than some half-assed lame April Fool's Day prank. Enjoy your April Fool's Day however you like, but you ain't getting any pranks here. On today's show, I promised that this season we would have some multi-person interviews. Well, today is the first of those multi-person interviews. We will be talking with Fresh Off The Grid that is composed of Megan McDuffie and Michael Van Vliet. They are a couple living out of their car, traveling across the U.S. and Canada. And maybe you've come across them on FreshOffTheGrid.com online, where they post travel and backcountry recipes, along with guides to different areas, and just all sorts of information about their travels. The three of us recorded this at the end of 2015, right before Christmas time. They just happened to be in town for the holidays, and they agreed to meet me at Little Landers Park here in Tahunga, California where the three of us gathered around a small park bench and attempted to hold this conversation despite occasional interruption from a very nice homeless lady. So let's head a few months back in time, back to Little Landers Park, and talk to Fresh Off The Grid. Cue the music. Megan McDuffie. I'm a Los Angeles native, but I'm currently living on the road uh, exploring the United States for a year with my boyfriend, Michael Van Vliet. Yeah, my name is Michael Van Vliet. I'm originally from the East Coast, but have been living out in Los Angeles now for the last 10 years or so. Megan and I met about three years ago. From that very first time that we met, we immediately started talking about how we wanted to quit our jobs and go on a big road trip. So I think that uh, there was always this sense that we wanted to go travel and see stuff from the very beginning of our relationship. Um, it took us about three years-ish to uh, decide to, to commit to that, but we're currently traveling the U.S. and Canada. Uh, we were up in Canada recently and uh, basically trying to take an entire year to go about the country and sort of see, see what's out there. So you're just a couple of hippie slackers that's what yes, you're saying yes. right just uh, two hippie <laughs> slackers that found each other that's true uh, well i mean depends on who you ask <laughs> right exactly exactly no we had been living you know very normal you know lives in la in terms of you know we had both of us had nine to five jobs right out of college we started working immediately bounced around from a couple different jobs here and there and you know i think at the time we had both been working at jobs for like six or seven years so companies for like a little while and we were just getting sort of really uh feeling like we wanted to kind of have a, a change of pace and that we wanted to kind of do something a little different i think in la in particular you kind of get into this routine of working someplace and then using that to pay for rent and then that rent is pays for the house that you live in that you can go back to work and you have this sort of secular thing where you just keep doing it and if you're not really passionate about the work that you're doing it sort of behooves you to find different work so yeah so we uh yeah we were living you know very you know traditional job or having very traditional jobs and now we've uh, moved on very non-traditional 
lifestyle. Yeah. So together you have created something called Fresh Off the Grid, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So explain how that came about and exactly what that is, because it allowed both of you to quit your jobs and live out of a car, right? <laughs> yep. So Fresh Off the Grid is a project that we started actually before the trip. And what it is, it's a, a website about camp cooking. Um, it's all about how to take recipes that like you probably already like and enjoy at home and make them work for you uh, in a very minimalist setup. We use a two-burner Coleman camp stove for all of our cooking, all of our like recipe testing, and so that's, that's what Fresh Off the Grid is. Yeah, we feel that... Uh cooking for us is always a big part when we were living you know in in an apartment when we got on the road well we had been camping you know just recreationally throughout there and and cooking was always a big part of that so we really feel that trying to share some of that way just techniques of trying to cook on the outdoors or just different type of recipes a lot of people i think they're they have a big there's some of the barrier to entry to getting into camping is oh i don't know what to eat or the food is bad or you know that they don't know what to make um, and so we were trying to like come up with a resource for people to kind of break that down a little bit, so people don't feel like it's that crazy to do, and that there's all these different you know sort of minimalistic setups that you can do that uh, actually are not that difficult to pull off at all. So give me an example. What's the kind of thing I'd find on there? So one of the big things that we do is sort of one pot meals, something that basically you are trying to make the entire meal just using a single pot and trying not to remove anything from the pot during that process so there's a lot of pastas where if you get the ratio of water to pasta to you know whatever else your ingredients are perfect and you measure it out right you just put it all in there boil and then it's done you can do the same thing with some rices a couple lentil dishes um, but trying to keep it all in one pot because not only does that make things simpler for you, it's just everyone hates doing dishes, whether you're camping or not, but camping especially, because it's just, like, miserable to do dishes out there. Are you one of those that cleans your pots with dirt? Are you one of those that brings soap? Because the thing with the dirt is it works great until the next day when you've got right. a pot full of that sells dirt in it. Uh, I know. We, we do not clean with dirt. We, although I have, we have cast iron, and a lot of people, I think, advocate using some sort of salt in there to, mm-hmm. to clean it. I would say that we're not the best. We don't treat our cast irons the best. But no, we, uh, it's, we, we keep it down to one pot. We can kind of do a little light rinse with water. Um, and get it out. But, hot uh, water. No hot dirt. water. Yeah, that's the other big thing is that heating the water to do your dishes afterwards is like really makes a lot of sense. And I feel for the longest time like I would just try to wash the dishes cold and was miserable and didn't really understand why. But like it's the obvious, it's obvious answer is that it's cold water. So <laughs> The great thing about the cast iron is you also have a weapon against bear attacks it's at true. that point. It's true. <laughs> Yeah. Which was a bigger uh, bigger concern in some of the northwestern U.S. than it is down here. But Oh, you said you've also gone to Canada, right? So yeah. you're starting to get in grizzly country oh, yeah. around yeah. there. We were acutely aware that we were in grizzly country. Uh, they were acutely aware that you were making delicious meals they would like to eat. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, no, we were up in uh, Canada, and, and, and uh, that was sort of a bigger fear of ours is that, you know, there's a whole set of preparations you should do when you're in bear country, what exactly you should, you know, whether you're car camping or backpacking, but uh, to minimize scent, minimize food, I think there's a whole um, 
way of trying to wash your dishes in a way that's just very you know eco-conscious one but also reducing your scent profile so we definitely were trying to to adhere to that the best we could when we we're up there were you doing the thing where you you pour the hot water back into your skillet and you you clean it up and then you drink it so you can leave no trace we we, we've heard that as well yes that is that is, that is, that is, that is i noticed you said you've heard it not that you practice it that. we have made a decision that that may be just too much for us <laughs> um, but no yeah you have to, you have to like uh, scoop out like the, the hard like you know any food matter that's left in there make sure that's out that goes in your trash uh, to try to just minimize as much as possible I mean drinking it is, is different we do the spray method where you try to disperse uh, as much as possible that uh, is that is the method for your toothpaste according to leave no trace if you spit your toothpaste in an arc that's alright so mm-hmm. I think food matter should probably be okay I think, I think it could be fine yeah. we didn't have any issues so i'm sure someone can write in and let us know how i'm wrong sure someone with, <laughs> with more bear knowledge than we do will have thoughts on it but we never saw a grizzly so i suppose that's right right so okay. clearly that's evidence that you right. did everything right, yeah. right. Perfect. yes <laughs> so you started this website just for fun before you decided to embark on this idea that some people probably would say is crazy mm-hmm. how did you get from website to yeah, let's quit the job. And how are you sustaining yourself? Is the website sustaining you? So we we started the website maybe six months. No, not even six months. Like three months before we left on the trip. They were sort of two separate entities. So we, we started the website, but we also were going to go on the trip. It just happened to be that the two things worked out together very well. So the trip was something that we had actually been planning to do for... A long time and in a more serious way over like a couple of months you know six months to a year we actually we saved a lot we cut a lot of expenses down um, in order to be able to walk away from our corporate jobs and not starve or run out of gas <laughs> but along the way we've picked up um, freelance work michael's a writer and i do photography so we've um, been teaming up together to generate content for different companies Uh, telling stories about travel and food and our experiences in the outdoors. So while I wouldn't say that that is uh, fully sustaining us, we are using some of the money that we saved. It's kept us busy. And to extend the trip, I think the idea is that uh, we've got some amount of money that we have saved that we want to do this trip for. And any amount of money we can generate during the trip is going to help us either extend the trip or sort of increase the uh, quality of living on the trip. (laughs) So I guess this might be an interesting point to mention just the type of vehicle we're using to travel around the country. A a big Hummer limousine, correct? Big, massive vehicle. No, we are currently in a 2000 Ford Focus hatchback two-door. With, with a little Thule. A Thule top box on the top, right, with a little uh, cargo cargo box. This is the car that I've owned since I was 16 years old. It has over 215,000 miles on it right now. So this is going to be turn into a Ford commercial? I think so. I think, so. I think that it definitely is a, uh, a testament there to this vehicle. But um, no, I've had it for a really long time. I mean, it was my daily commuter. This is what I drove all around LA with for the longest time. The car just won't die. And for the longest time, we wanted to do this big trip. And I think that we had gotten in our head through whatever means that uh, you need to have 
this really great van to go on a trip or you need to have uh, an awesome RV or you need to, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people are way into the Westphalias and to all of these like, you know, vintage things that then they build out and make them even more amazing. And we had sort of given into that idea that we needed to do that. And because of that, we felt like we could never go on the trip because we never would have that money to be able to do that. And so years would go by, a year I think, that we had sort of thought about, oh, it wouldn't be great if we had a van. And then uh, I think at some point we're just like, you know what, like, what if we didn't have the van? What if we just did it in this car? Like, what if we just traveled and the traveling was the part we were after, not having, like, the really cool vehicle? Um, I mean, in theory, right, you'd spend as little time in the vehicle as possible. The vehicle is just to get you to point A and point B, right? Right. And so that was a really empowering moment when we were just like, we can do it in this car. Like, I don't know, there's no reason, like, we were really just throwing up barriers to prevent us from doing it. So I think that, yeah, so we're in this car. We've made a couple modifications to it so we can sleep in the car, actually. I'm uh, 6'5", which is pushing it, but in terms of being able to fit in it. But we have got a great setup in there where, you know, we both can sleep in the car. You know, I can lay down fully extended. I don't have to curl up in the the fetal position, which is kind of uh, great. So there's a lot you can do with the vehicle that you own. So what kind of modifications did you make so you can sleep? Are you sleeping in the front seats or the back seat, or how did you modify it? No, so what we did was we took the back seats out entirely, and we made these, like, custom boxes. So what? So basically what you do is you push the front seats all the way forward, and then you lean the back, like the backrest, forward as well. And uh, we have these boxes um, that hold our food and our cooking supplies that we had custom custom built to fit into where, basically where your passenger's feet would go. Um, and that creates like a flat surface. So you're not picking up any hitchhikers along no. the way? No, no. No, and I felt so bad because we've seen a couple of hitchhikers. It was like raining and bamf and... There's this guy on the side of the road. I'm like, we like literally no have room no room for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I did a road trip earlier this year where I, I had my car full of camera gear and camping gear and canyoneering gear and climbing gear. Yeah. And it was the same thing. I would see backpackers on the road. And I think I can only fit myself in all this stuff in the car. I can't I know. pick yeah, it up. Like, it's like a special kind of guilt. They don't know guilt. that, though. They right. see, right. They see <laughs> asshole. Yeah. They see this big car. Like, they don't know that it's full of stuff. You <laughs> just whiz by. Oh, yeah. When we were in Washington in September, we drove past a bunch of PCT hikers trying to hitch into town. And my dream is to hike the PCT one day. And I'm driving past these guys. I'm like this is my moment to pay it forward and I can't. <laughs> That's all right. You'll pay for it in a few years when it's your turn and no one right. picks you up. Right. I know. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah, so anyways, on top of that, we have this mattress. Um, it's like a full-sized foam mattress, so that's kind of the, the mod that we made to make a bed and also why we can't pick people yeah, so up. Yeah, it's so a, it's a full-size bed, foam mattress from Ikea that fits in there perfectly, which has been great to get some you know, actual decent sleep during the night. Um, it's nice to sleep in the car for a variety of reasons, especially when it's raining, when it's really windy out, when it's cold. When um, you're in bear country. When you're in bear country, just hard-sided vehicle just does a wonder to ease your mind before you go to bed <laughs> well until you see one rip the door off of the hinges right, and then yeah. you might change your mind yeah then that might be yeah well <laughs> then you better hope you can get to the key to the ignition yeah, as quickly right. as possible <laughs> 
So that is the issue with the modification we have right now is that there's the car is in either in sleep mode because the seat's got to be all the way forwards or it's in drive mode. So it takes about like, I don't know, four minutes to kind of, you know, switch it from one to the other. So were we under duress and a bear was trying to attack us? I don't know. I'm sure we could speed that up to be two minutes, but. <laughs> Are you only sleeping in the car? Do you sometimes camp or? What's the what's the plan? On occasion we camp. We've actually gone on a couple of like backpacking trips to fire lookout towers, which has been really cool because you get the experience of backpacking, hiking to the top of the mountain and sleeping up there, but there's like a cabin up at the top. So that's kind of been a neat a neat thing as well. Yeah, it's the first time I've ever done something like that. I know you, I've known you could do it, that they have some of these fire lookout um, that are decommissioned and you can go up and some of them you have to rent ahead of time. Some of them are first. The one we went to in uh, Washington was first come, first serve. And so we got up to the top and we had intended to camp. We'd brought all the supplies to camp, but there's just a cabin up there waiting for us that we can just go into. <laughs> so that was amazing. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Not too often you show up somewhere and there's, someone's built a home just like, for oh, your use. There's a house up here right, yeah. that I can live in. <laughs> So that was nice. So we've done a little bit of that. But yeah, by and large, we sleep in the car when you're on a road trip like we're doing. Sort of a routine becomes sort of a part of how you kind of keep things, you know, clutter-free and stuff. So once you get in a routine of sleeping in the car, it just sort of becomes second nature. That that's where you end up at the end of the night. But yeah, and it's allowed us to kind of, you know, camp in, I guess, climates that would really be miserable. It was in British Columbia. It was, you know, dumping rain for a week, I think. That would have just been uncomfortable to deal with for for that long and a couple cold areas i've been in that exact region dealing with non-stop rain for yeah. days camping and it yeah it gets miserable ironically yeah it, it was the area we were on was called the sunshine coast which is just <laughs> north of vancouver which in name only that was that was them being optimistic yeah. right um, if we name it this then maybe it will happen right. i mean yeah maybe people will come and they'll love it and it probably is a real estate scam. Someone just thought they'd call us the Sunshine Coast. It's kind of like if someone in Arizona tries to sell you beachside property. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> so it is currently December of 2015. Mm-hmm. When did the trip begin? The trip started for us August 1st of this year. We intend to try to go for the full year. So we've done sort of a big loop right now, basically from Los Angeles up the West Coast into British Columbia, cut over into Alberta. And then came down the Rockies all the way to New Mexico and then came back to L.A. We have got uh, family here. We wanted to spend Thanksgiving with them, catch up with friends. This is sort of the intermission of the trip. I think that we had designed sort of the route of this trip that uh, this could be a potential bailout point. (laughs) That should the car have died or we just totally weren't digging it anymore that we could say, you know what, uh, let's try to find jobs in L.A. again. But thankfully, I think that we're neither one of us are of that mindset. So we're excited to kind of get back on the road, but we are taking a little break. That's good news. Four months in and you're not ready to bail on your 12-month trip. Yeah, right. (laughs) But I think that if we were like somewhere up in the hinterland of, uh, you know, Canada right now and that realization came, I think that'd be bad uh, that we would, you know, if we didn't want to keep going with it. No, we're taking like a little bit of an intermission here. Also letting a little bit of uh, winter get behind us. Um, We were out in the Rockies late November, mid to late November, and uh, it's cold. It's very cold out there. I think it's easy to forget in Southern California just how cold the rest of the country gets. So yeah, we're just kind of, you know, hanging out for a little bit. I think we're planning on getting back on the road somewhere in February to just sort of head off across the Southwest uh, hit up Texas, the South proper, and which uh, neither one of us have ever been to, and then working our way up the East Coast to New England, which is where I'm from, and so I've got uh, some relatives up there, and then hopefully even on further to Eastern Canada, there's some of the really cool remote sections uh, up there along the Eastern Canadian coast. So that's that's the big plan at the moment. Although, is the goal to cover 
the entire country and Canada? Or just whatever comes to mind? Are you trying to stay away from itineraries? We're trying to keep it as flexible and open as possible. We've done a fair amount of traveling with our two-week vacations over the year and over the years. And one of the things that we've always found is that if we, you know, try to pack too much in, then invariably you're either going to do it all but feel like you didn't actually do anything because you're so worried about getting to points B and C that you can't enjoy point A. So we're trying to just keep it a little loose. So we have a general kind of idea of where we'd like to go uh, in terms of direction, but not specific kind of itineraries yet. Yeah, I find with trips, if you don't plan them and you just show up, they either work out amazingly and everything works up better than you could have planned it, or it all falls apart. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. one or the other. I think on this trip we've had uh, an ebb and flow of that where we tried to hyper plan stuff in certain stages and were frustrated. Mm-hmm. And in some areas it came off okay. And then also we've like kind of not planned at all. We've, we've come to the decision no matter what you do, there's a chance that it could all go bad. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So you just have to get comfortable <laughs> with that. That really at any point this could just all go terrible. But, you know, I don't think we've had any major issues, but... Yeah, I think that when you do try to overplan something like this, the pacing is so critical to try to get into a good rhythm. And when you are have too much committed and you're trying to get to these things, you as as you were saying, is as you 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 fall out of the moment, and you start to be living for sort of oh well we have to get to this we have to get to the next step and then that's really right. not much. It becomes a how, checklist. Well, that's really not much how different than you do at a daily you know working at a job or you know, doing anything right. So like the whole point of this trip is to try to get away from a little bit of that so yeah i think that it's, it's important to kind of you know give yourself some space and sort of plan your spontaneity a little so what sorts of things are you doing on the trip are you are you stopping in towns are you going to do particular activities in certain places is it been a little bit of everything it's been a little bit of everything for sure we've we've definitely there's a couple of towns that we have known that we want to stop in so we've done that but for the most part we kind of stick to national parks state parks kind of wilderness areas um i've lived in a city my whole life and i think that i've kind of hit a point where i'm wanting some space from that and so it's been nice to not have to be in a city all of the time so um you know we are running this website and so we do have to spend a some amount of time at a starbucks you know using wi-fi and plugging in and stuff like that but when we can get out we do yeah for the most part we're you know spending our time you know hiking and uh you know if there's a hot spring in the area we will find it and (laughs) what else have we been doing yeah i think that it's just sort of a general touring where you whatever of interest kind of comes to mind and you come into an area and you you know i think that we've definitely been um sort of open to whatever a certain area has to offer if there's some good eating to be done if there's like something that's you know some great hiking or just some interesting vistas to go see you will we're happy to kind of go out of our way to go check out something. We also try to listen a little bit to uh, local suggestions. I think when you get going in a conversation with somebody at a coffee shop or wherever, gas station, and they say, oh, wouldn't it, you, know, you guys should go out here. This thing is amazing, right? You should totally go check out this hot spring or you should go check out this sandwich shop somewhere. When you have a really strict itinerary, you never have time to do those things. Like, oh, yeah, I'd love to, but uh, we got to be, you know, when you know, the next state tomorrow. So we got to get going. Um, So being able to kind of take up people on their suggestions has been sort of interesting and letting that sort of guide us. I have kind of a funny story from when I was on my road trip earlier this summer. So I was on the road for three weeks and I had a few specific places I needed to be. 
But in between that, I could kind of do what I wanted, stop where I wanted, drive as quickly or slowly as I wanted. At one point, I was in Wyoming for a day. I had, it was actually for the first season of this podcast, I had met a friend there to record an interview. And then I decided to stop in a park to download the data on that card, just some random neighborhood park. And these old ladies were in the park and they asked me to help them move like a picnic table. And I was like, okay, so I helped them move this picnic table. And then they said, hey, at five o'clock, we're going to be doing line dancing, (laughs) which (laughs) I have no interest in line dancing. They're like, you should come. You should come line dance. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And I left the park and then I was like, wait a second, I'm in Wyoming. (laughs) And just some (laughs) random old ladies are asking me to go to to learn line dancing from them. I need to go back. So I drove back to the park. I don't think they expected me to show up. So I spent two hours with these older ladies teaching me to line dance. And then at some point I... The YMCA song came on, and none of them knew how to do the YMCA, so I got to teach them how to do the YMCA. And it turned out to be like one of my favorite memories from that whole trip was just this goofy little thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that, you know, some of the best things that we have done have just come from being open to saying yes to opportunities that come up, whether there are things that we would have planned or known about ourselves yeah you just have to kind of be open to to, to stuff that's outside of your comfort zone stuff that's just sort of you have to kind of give yourself up to the trip a little bit like you're not really like you're just sort of a part of this thing and some stuff's going to happen to you and it's just all about just showing up and being part of the experience so um, and maybe if it makes you uncomfortable maybe that's more reason to try it yeah absolutely right you know within limits right yeah (laughs) i agree but yeah, no, there's this very interesting about like pacing, what do you do, how do you figure out what you do. I think that, yeah, you just kind of let it come to you, and then uh, that's how you do it. So you've been on the road for four months now, right? Mm-hmm. So are there any particular occurrences that stand out, any particular memories so far that, that pop to mind right away? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a couple kind of riffing off that whole idea of like letting things come to you when and they it come. better not be a line dancing story no no it's not <laughs> although when you make it to texas you may have some of those <laughs> i'm sure i do love the virginia reel we were coming down <laughs> south on the rockies uh we had actually just slipped into yellowstone uh like the last couple of days before it was closing well most of the park closes down for snow they were already getting a fair bit of snow there when we were there do they just close particular roads or do they yeah. close access mm-hmm. to the whole park no they close just some of the big roads and this year I think it's every year it changes on what type of clo- what uh, roads they actually close. This year it sounded like they were closing basically 90% of the roads. Yeah, all of the roads with the exception of the northernmost road. Old Faithful yeah. was going to be cut off and all these, you know. You could they, basically like go to Mammoth Hot Springs that and that. that campground and that was going to be like the extent of it. I think so they, do you still get backcountry permits or anything like that? I or? think you can. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. starting in December they open it up to... Like snowmobiles yeah. and like cross country skiers and backpack, yeah, backcountry. I'm sure they yeah. allow, but I think they had a huge year this year. This was like a record breaking year for Yellowstone, so they I think there was some attempt to like let the wildlife get a break for a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, we were there, um, and our plan, you know, which we had uh, come up with, was to kind of keep pushing south and to kind of cross from Yellowstone down into the Grand Tetons. The weather was just not helping us at all it was really kind of um, sketchy in Yellowstone and a couple of the uh, the passes of going over the continental divide and to get down to the Tetons was going to be really really uh, you know a high pass and it was going to be you know we didn't at that time we didn't have change to the car so we were uncomfortable doing that so we're like all right we have to find out where we're going and so pulled up the weather app and just was looking around where there's a big snow system that was coming in through the Rockies and so well 
Idaho's out, Wyoming's out. So uh, we basically just looked at the map and we're like, where's the good weather? And, and there was none. Well, well there <laughs> was 72 degrees and sunny in the Dakotas. So we hightailed it to North Dakota. Yeah, we drove all the way across Montana uh, to get to the Dakotas, which we didn't even plan on going to. We didn't think we were going like, to... I don't know. I just didn't. It wasn't one of the things that we thought we were going to do on this trip. But the weather sort of pushed us in that direction. We decided to go that way. And our, our intention is to go to sort of the Black Hills in South Dakota. And we're getting like just out of Billings, I think. Somehow, I don't know how this happened, but we somehow uh, didn't check exactly which road we were supposed to be on. They have a lot of long straight roads out there. And if you're not paying attention, there's no landmarks to let you know you're going in the wrong direction. The way you're saying this makes it sound like it was your fault, just so you know. Okay. I don't know how this happened, Look, but just somehow. Been, it could have been somebody's like, this is a team effort. Um, <laughs> anyways, we uh, took a wrong turn and uh, 60 minutes in discovered that we were actually going to North Dakota, not South Dakota. Yeah. Which, uh, which is all right, because you didn't have an itinerary. You know, exactly. It didn't really matter. <laughs> So, oh, yeah, so then we uh, keep going and we get into North Dakota and then we f- pull up on the map, Teddy Roosevelt National Park, which happens to be there. We've never heard of this park, but we rolled in there and it was just amazing. It was this amazing park. Teddy Roosevelt, uh, during his youth, had spent some time in the Dakotas uh, ranching. We're both big fans of him as a, an individual and his cabin is there on the land where that he built himself and there's this whole, like, sort of, historical element to the park that ties it really well together um and it's gorgeous badlands out there there's there's bison everywhere there's prairie dogs it's sort of incredible and so here's this place that we just had this an amazing time at that we had no idea existed (laughs) surprised to to, to have found it so it's cool because what got you there was weather's bad where can we go the weather's good and then you take a wrong turn and end up somewhere you didn't expect that's probably cooler than where you were headed right absolutely you have to be open to that stuff i think that like if you were to like try to force it say oh we're going to the tetons anyways we would have been miserable and if we uh had backtracked and and tried to make it to south dakota say oh we had to, we, we were going there we have to go there we'd have missed north dakota right so uh and, and missed that wonderful park so i think that uh you just have to kind of roll with sort of what life gives you and sort of you know trying to turn those mistakes into something that is uh, not that much of a mistake. Afterwards, you're like, see, this is what I intended to do. Yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) I was trying to get us here. Except when it doesn't work, and then you can't really say that. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, you grasp the ones that do. And when when they don't, you say, but remember when we ended up? (laughs) Back then, yeah, when you roll in and it's dark, there's no camp spots, there's, you know, you're hungry, you're tired, there's nowhere to park, it's just... We've had a couple of those days. So, so, forewarning, if this hasn't happened to you yet, this has only happened to me in Utah. I don't know if they do this elsewhere. If you roll into certain campsites too late, they close them, and you can't get into the campsite at all. I've never run into that prior to, to Utah just earlier this year. We actually saw that a lot in British Columbia. Their provincial parks, they lock the gates from, like, 11 to like 11 p.m. until 6 in the morning, which is a problem if you show up late or right. if you're trying to leave really early. Yeah, I mean, I would yeah, assume it's a huge that. liability issue because, like, let's say, you know, you have an emergency and you, you know, you need some sort of, you know, to get out in the middle of the night. Like, I don't know. It seems like there's no one there to let me out. And <laughs> Well, what I saw is you could, the ones I saw in Utah, you could get out. They just had those spikes oh, that, if you, oh, that yeah. will slash your tires if you try to go yeah, in that no, way. Okay. Now, we saw, like, fully locked up gates with, like, no one there to, like, man them. So yeah. you were, like, now locked in until the morning. So what happened to me is I was forced to sleep in my car next to a campground <laughs> because the gate was locked. 
<laughs> it just made no sense yeah. to me. So be aware of that. I, but yeah. clearly you've come across it, so you're prepared. Yeah, no, we're, yeah, it, and you're already sleeping in your car, so it's a right, little more comfortable yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, there's some weird. The camping is uh, is just different everywhere. Um, I think we had gotten really good at camping in the United States. We've camped a lot in national forests where you don't need to be, you know, necessarily in a campsite. You just need to kind of be somewhere BLM land also you can camp without actually having to have so there's a lot of free camping that we sort of had a good read on we could see a map and say okay we could probably camp here or some logging roads up here we can probably camp up there and then you get to canada and the whole thing's different now now they now nothing is the same so they've got provincial parks they've got crowned land and uh they, i mean we had to relearn a little bit but they're really nice to you they're really yeah. nice <laughs> so when you do something wrong they apologize <laughs> well, that, that they're having to tell you you did it wrong so it's okay yeah i think what we we found is that, that everyone is very nice uh, and that enforcement is very low up there. That it's a big, big, big country. Yeah, there's, there's more enough, country than people. Yeah, yeah. There's not yeah. enough, uh, you know, uh, local law enforcement to go around and, and make sure that you're, you know, parked properly or that you're, you shouldn't be on this logging road or you know something like that. So I think that we were a little bit overly cautious in the beginning, and then I think we we loosened up a bit and got into the rhythm, the Canadian rhythm of things. <laughs> so if you're sleeping in the car most of the time, where do you tend to park the car? Because depending on where you are, that could be difficult. Try or is there a secret you don't want to share? Well, in terms of where to park, in um, case in case the law enforcement's chasing you yeah. from border to border. We, we've never we've never had to knock on the door or knock on the window in the middle of the night. Thankfully, no. We've found that um, you know a lot of these forest roads very infrequently traveled. Uh, you know, there's usually you know turnoffs all over the place up there. You know, when you're on the desert, these BLM land, you know, it's just sort of like. You can kind of go wherever you'd like. We've had, on occasion, had to do, I guess some people would term urban camping, when you're just relocating from one place to another, and you have to kind of park the car and sleep somewhere that is... Like a Walmart. Like a Walmart. (laughs) Or, you know, like a truck stop or a rest stop. Well, truck stops are great because they expect you to do that. Right, yeah, Yeah, and they have, like, clean bathrooms. The the tricky thing is when it's someone's neighborhood, which I've done, and you try to find the spot where maybe the streetlight's not hitting you so much. Yeah, we did that once in Portland, and I can't say that I am looking forward to having to do that again. (laughs) I think that in a different vehicle, it may be okay, but in a... Again, a two-door hatchback in which basically you have to like, you know, we've got um, felt panels that we put up in the windows to kind of block out light and to have a little privacy from from people. But uh, it definitely is not the ideal vehicle for urban camping. (laughs) We do much better and we feel much better about ourselves when we're out uh, amongst other campers. Yeah. I think that there's become right, this very right. strange line that happens when a camper comes into the city. Very unclear whether or not you're homeless or not. And you were unclear about your role now in society. Right. But if you were to be out at a campsite next to a picnic table, no one would even question what you're doing. It's like, oh, yeah, you're uh, sleeping there in your car? That's great. Or you have a sleeping bag? Oh, that's fine. But you just don't have that in the city. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you mentioned the car again. As you said... It's maybe not the ideal car for some situations. I I did hear you say you have chains now. We do have chains. So have you had difficulties with getting over snowy passes or really steep mountains or anything like that? We had quite the ordeal getting out of Colorado. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> that may have encouraged us to get a set of chains. So we were in the like Denver area. Our plan was to go was to cross the Rockies, um, to go into southern Utah. 
and spend like the last week of our trip before coming into Los Angeles, uh, hanging around like Canyonlands. But then we saw that there was this big snowstorm coming, so we decided let's head south a little bit. We wanted to see the great sand dunes. We did that. This like storm shows up, and the sand dunes are actually kind of in this like depression that is surrounded by mountains on all sides and so the snowstorm shows up and the only way out of Colorado is to cross some mountain pass whether it's you know across into Durango or back up into Denver or south to New Mexico Mexico. and so you know we we decided to go through Durango and so we show up drive uh, east or sorry we drive west and get to the base of the pass and realize this is just not going to happen. It's like snow is like packed on the road. Yeah, and it's Wolf Creek Pass, which is apparently pretty gnarly. And yeah. the, the further and further we went up, the, the worse the conditions got. You start seeing these light trailers flipped over on the side of the road. That's like the good sign that you just need to not do this. Yeah, <laughs> so we, we turned around and we decided to go back through this other pass to the east and go down into New Mexico, which we did make it across, although we found out that later that day after, we passed it the entire 20 was it the 25 25 closed down down at that pass so we like just made it out and then even driving down the 40 into albuquerque we had to pull over at some point because there was this the blizzard was still happening and we had to like sleep at a walmart that night in a blizzard because yeah the the car looked like an igloo at the end of the day covered in snow and we're inside of this thing it was amazing yeah no i mean the car i mean uh, it's it's Driving in the snow is something that I'm somewhat familiar with. I mean, I'm from Connecticut, and we have got snow, but the thing that Connecticut has is that it's incredibly flat. The whole, Which like, going, Colorado is the yeah, opposite of flat. Going up and down and turns and, like, big steep drop-offs, like, that really raises the stakes tremendously when you're driving in inclement weather. After that in Colorado, like, yeah, we have to get chains for this thing. So we, we have picked up chains, we have used them. Even um, that can be frightening on yeah. these mountain right. roads in a little car. Well, yeah. I think that it gives you, it perhaps could give you this false sense of confidence that like, oh, I've got chains on, I can, you know, do whatever. It's like, it's not really, like, it's not like super glue. You're not in, like, held to right. the <laughs> <laughs> You're still in a little Ford Focus trying, right. to, trying to putt-putt up the the mountains. I was in that Durango, Ure, Silverton area earlier oh, yeah. this summer, yeah. and I specifically thought I don't want to drive my car through this in the winter. Yeah, it's uh, it's gnarly. So, yeah. and from the best that we can determine, it looks like out here in the West, when there's snow or a storm rolling through, they don't run plows constantly. They just wait to the snow dumps and then they run the plow. Whereas I think on the East Coast, since there's a lot more people, they're just running these plows constantly. Where like this, just as it's starting to come down, they're running a plow. Again, it's great not having a timeline because now we can kind of divert or wait out something or like, all right, this is just not our day. So we've only been, yeah, like caught by the weather a couple times. But uh, on the second leg of the trip, I don't really anticipate Unless we have like some real big, you know, I don't know, I don't know what can go wrong in uh, Texas. It could be like an armadillo stampede or something. But like, <laughs> we, we we'll, we'll try to avoid any any other uh, major issues. Yeah, beware of the armadillo stampedes. The, the armadillo stampede of 1984 was was quite a horrible a bad one. Bad one. So you're back on the road very soon. Mm-hmm. And where was it you said you're heading to next? The southwest. We're going to start off. Yeah, February. Uh, we'll we'll be in Arizona, New Mexico. Which I think really for the, the desert area is one of the better times to see it. I know it's just impossible to do in the summertime. It's just 
too hot everywhere. So yeah, we'll be doing that, and then sometimes springish, be rolling through Texas into uh, the South. We're gonna try to go. You know, we're gonna try to get into to Florida for a bit and try to kind of see the redeeming aspects of Florida. I'm sure there are some in there. Uh, and then yeah, East Coast and then up. So I think summertime will be somewhere on. Uh, in the New England area. Any must-visit places that are on your list? Near term, there's some just some gorgeous stuff out in southern Utah, Arizona, and, and uh, New Mexico. Um, there's some, the white sand dunes. I would love to go see that. There's definitely, I've seen a lot of this stuff in southern Utah, but never for like, I never have gotten to like really see it or hike around or like spend the time there. So we've done like the drive-by of Bryce, of Moab, or uh, Moab and uh, Zion, but... It'd be cool to kind of, like, hang out there for a little while and check it out. Yeah. I think it might be a little further north than we were maybe planning to go, but I would love to see the Ozarks in Missouri. That'd be really cool. Um, And then I think Appalachia is just going to be really neat to hike around in. Yeah. We'll probably be somewhere around the Appalachian Trail when they start running it in Georgia, probably. So we'll we'll probably see a little bit of the run-up to that would be interesting but yeah so this is what we talk about in the car just sort of this like you know very you know just musings about oh we could go here oh wouldn't it be nice to see this so yeah oh that's a good point so you're both spending a lot of time together yeah yeah constantly has that been trying why don't you go honey Yeah, so we we actually just realized that, um, so Michael is flying home to the East Coast tomorrow morning, and that's going to be the first time that we have spent any amount of time apart in the last like out of arm's reach basically yeah (laughs) that's how close we've been this entire time so we've definitely spent more time together than I think uh, we ever would have had the opportunity to if we didn't take the trip which has been really really cool I think that not many people get have the ability to spend this much time with their partner and and doing something like this uh, together and I think make some people really uncomfortable to think about doing that you know we've had a couple of people say like oh I couldn't I would never be able to do that with my wife or husband or whatever but it's been really cool I think that we've gotten to really get to know each other in a way that we wouldn't have been able to otherwise we've been able to you know learn how to work through challenges that come up you know whether it's you know where the heck are we staying tonight or what should we do with the next week of our lives or whatever Um, you know being able to work together and, and figure out how to communicate through that has been really really cool so we haven't had any like big issues with it it's been I think it's been like a really great gift that we've given each other time, right? Yeah, time time to just sort of be with each other. I think that when you're working a job, you spend 40 plus hours a week at the job, and then you're sleeping for, you know, a good part of your week. Like, you only get to see the person that you're with for, you know, these periods of time. You see them from the weekends. And to see someone, like, all the time and be with them all the time, you really kind of... You know, we've gotten now to a point where, like, you know, we're completing each other's sentences. We're kind of thinking what the other one is thinking because you can kind of sometimes really, yeah, really like, sync up. It's like really like gross couple thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're, just like, All we're right, that couple now. Are, are you dressing alike yet? <laughs> no, we. Although we have a very limited wardrobe, obviously the small vehicle, we uh, have got like three different outfits that we can be wearing. So. I guess one of the nice things is you're solving the same problems so you're not solving you're not spending time together solving your own problems you both have the same problems to solve yeah. mm-hmm. 
which is either going to bring you together or push you apart. Right. So it sounds like it's working in your favor. Yeah, like it's, we, it's definitely brought us together. And there's stuff like we both need to figure out, right? Like, where are we sleeping tonight? That is a group discussion, right? Or what do you want to eat? Or what do we want to eat, right? That's a, that's a, a collective sort of thing to talk about. Yeah, it's just you have to work through all these different things. And then also running this sort of a website, the you know, Fresh Off the Grid, that is also a joint venture, a creative venture. Mm-hmm. that uh, now we get to work together and, and work creatively together in addition to just sort of the logistical day-to-day sort of stuff. When you put both of that together, I think that you just end up really sort of uh, spending a lot of time like figuring out how to communicate, how to you know work together as a team, and how to try to minimize some of the you know friction points that come up. I think that we've gotten pretty good at that, or at least we got pretty good at like identifying friction points, which is namely when both of us have neglected to eat. So like, oh yeah, I think that's everybody. Yeah, yeah when you're hungry, it's, just, yeah. it's almost like a broke. Like you, it's like you, you can see it coming. Like, oh, this again. I know this. We shouldn't. Like, <laughs> like, we I know better. <laughs> Skipping breakfast is never a good idea. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, those are like you. It's like, oh yeah, we should not do that anymore. Right? So stuff like that, you can just sort of continue. It's a, it's a process where you just keep working on it and you keep getting better and better at it. So I'm sure a lot of people are wondering about hygiene. So how how are you managing that? So um, we actually have this really great contraption. It's the Helio Shower by Nemo equipment, and uh, it packs down to pretty small, and you can fill it up, and it has like a pressure pump, and it so you can use that as a shower. It's It has enough water pressure that I can like wash my hair with it. So we'll like boil some water and throw it in there and shower at the campsite. In the summer months, it was great. You know, it's one of these like solar showers. So you'd set it up on top of the roof of the car or on the picnic table, leave it there during the day and you come back and it's actually pretty hot. When it got cooler out, um, yeah, you just, you know, we have a jet boil, boil a thing of water, dump it in there, you know, maybe two if it's really cold out. And so that's been great. But then also, like, you know, we have met up with friends on the trip. So you have showers there. You know, you we in the summertime, it's great. There's just rivers and streams and lakes. And you're yeah, just you're like jumping into every jumping body of Jumping into every body of water you can find. <laughs> um, but then in the wintertime, it gets a little bit tougher. And then when you are in a pinch, you know, nothing beats a wet wipe. You know, it's just like that's sometimes like that's just what you need to kind of feel like you can go to sleep tonight like you're not like just lying in a pile of dirt you just have to wipe you know so uh it's a mix i think you definitely your standards go down a little bit for what is clean are you using any of the showers provided in certain camp areas or like the pay showers anything like that oh yeah 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 if if there's a pay shower anywhere near where we are we are taking advantage Which are of that kind of far and few between but yeah when they are there we definitely go for them first time i stayed in yosemite we stayed for a week we decided towards the end we heard there were pay showers at curry village <laughs> and man that shower felt great yeah, right. <laughs> yeah no this is something really nice about that we in canada in the national parks they've got uh, unlimited free showers hot showers oh that's not, nice not, of them yeah it's very nice of them so that was a real blessing a <laughs> uh, to be able to have that but yeah in the u.s it's, it's, it's there's not a ton of paid showers everywhere. we found that as sort of the issue is that there's plenty of places to go to the bathroom I mean, there's public restrooms everywhere but if you need to take a shower it can be tough sometimes yeah i found that too yeah and it's just it's a strange thing it's also like laundry people have asked us before already like there's laundry mats everywhere it's very easy to do a load of laundry in any city anywhere but to get a, a, a decent shower that really is uh can be somewhat of a challenge so we haven't got the perfect system the cold weather system in the summertime i think we're totally self-sufficient but yeah in the cold weather i don't know exactly what you're supposed to be doing i guess you'll figure it out yeah Yeah. (laughs) 
Either that or you drive with the windows down. Right. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people would hear this and they would think, man, I, would, I wouldn't mind doing that. I wouldn't mind quitting my job and driving around the U.S. Are there any tips you have anybody for people out there? Anything that you've learned where you're like, don't do this, absolutely do this, or hey, here's the... Here's the process. Start it, go, do this step, right. this step. I think for a lot of people that we've talked to, the, the biggest sticking point is, like, how did you guys break free of your job and all of that? Like, it's really hard to, you know, walk away from your, basically, like, your entire life as you know it and uh, hit the road for an indefinite period of time. So, and and for that, like, you know, there, there's a lot of people that work can work remotely and all of that and I think that that's awesome but I think for a lot of us uh you know we we saved a lot to make the trip happen and I think that if if anyone is interested in doing a trip like having that kind of savings to make to make it happen is is really great and so that that's kind of like step one I think is to to make sure that you're making that sort of uh priority and then you just have to kind of decide to go. That was like the hardest part for us. We we talked about it for months and we would get to a point where one of us would be like, okay, let's do it. And the other would be like, no, you know, let's hang on. I think something's going to turn around at work or whatever. And then, uh, so we'd talk ourselves out of it. And then, you know, a month or two later, the other person would be like, okay, no, no, now I'm ready to go. And it, it just kind of went back and forth. And finally, one day we synced up and we're like, okay, like, Let's do it. It's happening. And then we just decided to go. It was actually pretty easy in the end. Yeah, I think that for a lot of people that want to do a trip like this, there's always this, I don't know, there's a, a sense to say to yourself, well, the perfect time to do it was sometime in the past. Between high school and college, I should have done it. Or when I was in college or this year after college, I didn't have responsibilities. Or before, you know, I had this job, which now is a little more serious, before I got the good apartment. There's all these times in the past that would be the ideal time because it feels very safe in the past but really i mean i think that the time for us we got to the idea like the best time to do it is now you just have to start at a certain point and say look this is going to be a radical life change and it's going to be slightly uncomfortable but this is something that we really want to do and that we just need to kind of like do it you kind of find different ways to kind of make that work because i think that we were most fearful of is just the indefinitely um deferring our dream to some point in the future that oh we'll do it Later, a trip like this, oh, you could do that in retirement. It seems almost absurd to be, you know, uh, you know, here in our late 20s, early 30s, like, saying to ourselves, we're going to get to that when we're 65. It's like, <laughs> I don't know, it's just like, it's crazy to think that like, you're going to, like, put off something that you really, really feel passionate about till like, a point in time that you may not get to. It's not guaranteed that you're going to make it all the way to, you know, retirement. And you may totally change your mind by that point and no longer be interested in that. Certainly. Absolutely. Or, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of hiking and, you know, stuff like that. And who knows if we'll, if we do make it to 65, if we'll be able-bodied. And so I think that you just can't take it for granted that you're going to show up, you know, in 40 years and be able to, to do this thing that you want to do. So Yeah, so I think the, that's a big part of it. And then I think also just finding a trip that works for you right i mean if you for us right we're in this car which has lacks a lot of amenities and maybe not what certain people need for a trip right i think that you can do it for much cheaper than we're doing it right we're actually you know i think we could do it even cheaper um there's all different ways of doing a trip like this and i think that scaling it to what you know you think that you want and what you can afford to do and i think that's a big part of it too and sort of that removes a lot of the barriers when you take like 
the Mac Daddy Sprinter van out of the equation, you're just going to go with your car, then all of a sudden now it seems way more achievable. Not this big scary thing that you can't do. I think, yeah, just like kind of figuring out what trip you, you want to take and what you can sort of uh, envision yourself doing and starting from there, really. I think that's a good spot for us to wrap everything up. If people want to keep up with what you're doing, obviously they can go to freshoffthegrid.com, correct? Yep. .com. How else can they keep up with you? Is there Instagram, Twitter, any of those things? Yeah, where, so, where do you want people to go to keep up with what's going on? <laughs> so we're, we're most active on Instagram. Our handle is Fresh Off The Grid. Although we do have uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, Stellar, and that we're also Fresh Off The Grid on all of those platforms. Many ways to choose from. Many ways to choose <laughs> from. Are you, are you updating those things on the road? or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the sort of the semi-irony of the whole thing is that we're fresh off the grid, but we have to actually come back on the grid <laughs> right. uh, fairly regularly to, to, to share the good news of what we were doing off the grid. <laughs> so, yeah, freshoffthegrid.com on, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting trying to run something online while being outdoors. It's always, there's always some sense that, like, there's a little bit of a, you know, you're, you're missing hard, it a little bit. It's hard, it's hard to run a website when you're homeless. Right, it's true, it's true, <laughs> right. Uh, so, anyways, it's, uh, it's it's interesting, though. But, yeah, we are on all of those. We are fairly active on most, but Instagram is definitely what we uh, interface with the most. All right, well, now that it's starting to get cooler in this park, let's get to warmer climates. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> all right, thanks for coming out. Thanks for having us. Hope you were paying attention there at the end of the conversation because there were some gems of wisdom there. Please take this, if nothing else, away from this episode. Don't make excuses, find solutions. That's what Megan and Michael have done, and I think they are better off for having done so. And I think that advice will carry you far in life, regardless whether you want to live out of your car, whether you have ambitions in a career field, or even in regards to just your day to day family life. Stop making excuses, people. Start finding solutions. I'll stop that there before I start sounding like an inspirational speaker at your local high school. And let's get to some updates. Megan and Michael are back on the road, and they've been busy. So here to tell you all about that is show favorite, Erica. Yeah, so we've got a bit going on. We started moving a lot, lot slower, which has really helped the tempo of the trip. We thought we would be in New Orleans by this time, but we're only in Sedona, Arizona. Also, yeah, we're going to Cuba. We're still not entirely sure how that all happened, but it is. We entered a contest by video sharing app Facet and won one ticket. Then we had to negotiate with the tour operator to reduce the price of the second ticket. And then we pre-sold some freelance articles to cover some of the remaining expenses. In the end... We're still paying to go to Cuba, just at a reduced rate. Should be an amazing experience, though. We can't wait. So yeah, that's what's going on with us. We'll be back in L.A. for the flights out in the next week. And then the road trip continues. At this rate, we'll be on the East Coast on 2019-2020. Ha! Just kidding. So just to verify, that was not Michael Van Vliet. That was master impersonator Erica. (laughs) Thank you, Erica. And now is the time to go to the website, gogetoutside.com slash podcast. Take a look at episode 26, Fresh Off the Grid. There you will find all kinds of rad pictures that they've taken while they've been on the road, along with a bunch of links, links to freshoffthegrid.com. 
They have all sorts of cool recipes there. They have guides to different areas. And then they have even more photos than what I've included on the website. Also, links to their Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can follow them in any of those areas and keep up with what they are doing on the road. At one point during the conversation, we discussed fire lookout towers and how a lot of them in the area you can stay for a night or rent them. I found a couple places online where you can find local lookout towers and rent them yourself so you too can go stay in a lookout tower somewhere and a link to the helio shower michael and megan discussed it and i figure a lot of you are probably interested in shower solutions so i included that and since every one of you listening to this is running to your computer machine right now or maybe your phone maybe you don't have a computer machine maybe you do everything off of a tablet or phone device But since I know all of you are running to those devices right now and heading over to GoGetOutside.com because you just have to get to these show links, you cannot continue with your life until you've done so, do me another favor while you're there online. Send us an email, go at ButcherBirdStudios.com. Tell us anything you want to. Good things, bad things, secret things. Or maybe you don't like typing. Maybe you have big fat fingers and you can't hit the buttons and every time you try to type the word from, you type the word form. Or maybe your name is Jason and you misspell it J-A-O-S-N every time you try to type it. Well, you don't have to worry about that if you want to speak with us. You don't have to misspell my name and misspell from. You can call us, 818-925-0106. You can leave us a voicemail up to three minutes. Or you can call us 50 times and leave us 150 minutes worth of voicemails. And while you're at it, stop by iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you use to consume this audio delight. Make sure you're subscribed. And while you're there, rate the show, maybe even review the show. I will send you a virtual kiss if you do so. Next time on the show, April 16th, come back two weeks from now, Shantae Salabert. She is a writer, an educator, a brand ambassador, a backpacker, and a human yogi bear. Next time on the show, see you then. <laughs>